all. And God bless you for thinking about revival and getting our hearts on fire for Jesus Christ. Uh, our churches are languishing in a lot of areas today because of a lack of fire, you know. I don't know whose fault it is. It may not be anybody's fault. It may just be that the Lord is not dealing with us. And I'm sure that Brother Parks can remember that a lot of times when you was having a prayer meeting, you'd have three or four people saved. You, you could hardly have a meeting that somebody didn't walk forward, you know. But we're in a time right now when people are not being stirred by the Word of God. It reminds me of a little story that I heard. A fellow said that he, a preacher said, I preached. And he said, I thought I preached a great message. And said, I went back to the door and said, this fellow told him, he said, Pastor, that was a good warm sermon. And he said, I went home and got the dictionary and looked up the word warm, but it said not too hot. <laughs> the word warm meant not too hot. So I hope that I won't preach any warm messages. <laughs> I hope my message will be on fire for the Lord. I know these are the last times, folks. I think it is. I think we're coming down to the end of time. I believe that everything in the world is pointing toward the coming of Jesus Christ. I think we're coming to the end of time as we know it. Uh, I fear that as a nation we may have come to the end of the time as we've known it. I hope that's not right, but uh, I I fear that it may be. And... uh, I think that uh, I think the first thing we can do, and I've asked the Lord repeatedly over and over and over again. Every time I get in the pulpit, I ask the Lord, you know, to uh, enable me. I know that Jesus said, "Without me, you can do nothing." That's right. And I know that's the truth. Amen. But I also know that He said, "I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me." So it's not as though we're uh, just treading water here, and it's not as though we're trying to do something and can't. Uh, God will bless us, and He'll help us through life. I'd like you to look at a couple of texts with me, if you will, please. Going to look in Jeremiah, and also in the book of Luke, and we'll go to the chapter, the passage in Luke. First of all, it's um, the Luke chapter number twelve, and uh, uh, verse number forty-nine. Luke chapter 12 and verse number 49. This is a wonderful text and, and Jesus is speaking to us and I believe he, uh, I believe that he's pleading with us. I believe that he wants us to be on fire for him. I, I, I believe what Mr. Spurgeon said about the coffers of the Lord. Uh, Mr. Spurgeon said that the Lord had many, many blessings. And he wanted to give them out to his people. And I believe he wants to bless you tonight. I believe he wants to give you a real heartfelt blessing from the presence of the Lord. And I believe he wants to energize you tonight. And make it so that your feet will be like hind's feet. You can't hardly hold yourself until you get to tell somebody about our Savior. Greatest person in your life is Jesus Christ. You don't have anyone any greater anywhere. I love my wife with all my heart. Uh, She wasn't only a good wife to me, but boy, we were very best friends. 
And I miss her tremendously, I really do. I won't talk about it very much because I cry whenever I do. But I appreciate you all praying for us. She put up a gallant fight when she had that terrible disease of cancer and it finally got her. The 49th verse, the Bible says this. Jesus said this. I am come to send fire on the earth. And what will I if it be already kindled? And fire in the fire in the heart, you know, this kind of reminds you of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. You know the story. Um, oftentimes when I'm preaching on that at home, I kind of acted out a little bit, you know, because they, they were really burdened down. They were really sad. They'd really lost all prospect in life. Because their own testimony was, you know, are you a stranger in Israel? Don't you know what's happened here? Him whom we thought would be the Messiah. They killed him. Well, that's what you said about him. And Jesus began to preach the word to them. Guess what happened to their hearts? They got to walking like hind feet, didn't they? <laughs> you know, their hearts caught fire, and they they uh, were energized and and uh, motivated and uh, to press forward and to honor the Lord with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind. Now, if you look in the twentieth chapter of Jeremiah. And this is another wonderful passage, and I wish we had time to read all of it, but I don't have the time. And besides that, I have to have a helper most of the time to see what I'm doing here. I'm having eye trouble, and hopefully next Friday, we'll get, not this coming Friday, but Friday week, we'll get it fixed out because he's going to work on my eye, and maybe we can get it fixed out so I can see good. Here you have the weeping prophet, Jeremiah. What a wonderful man he is. What a wonderful message he has. And what a difficult task there is that's set before him. God said he was going to send him and they wouldn't listen to him. But you know what? He had it in his heart. And we got to remember that it doesn't matter if we don't have what we feel like ought to be the results. You don't give up. You keep plodding on. Us preachers are like oxen. We're like the ox that treadeth out the corn. You know, and that's what we're supposed to do. And we're going to do that until Jesus comes. Brother Parks is still preaching. And we praise the Lord for him and for his work over at Moss Fork Church. He can be a great influence to those folks over there and help them out. I'm sure he will. But I want you to look here at verse number 9. There's a whole lot more that goes with this verse, but I'm only going to read verse 9 because I want to get to the message. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And that's what happens when the Word of God gets in your heart and mind. You know what? It's awfully easy to leave off reading the Bible. I'm not talking about running references and study. I'm just talking about reading the Bible. Give attendance to reading. That's the order of the Scripture. We all ought to be readers of the Bible. I had a man in Rollinsburg Church that was totally illiterate. He, could, he didn't know one letter from another. 
And he kind of wept over it, you know, and he said, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, I found out that Alexander Scorby had, had read all of the Word of God, so I bought him a, a Bible on tape. And it made all the difference in the world in that man's life. He listened to those tapes till he wore them out. And I got to tell you, you know, in this marvelous age in which we live, if you can't see, you can hear. If you can hear, you can learn about God and His Word. And Jeremiah is preaching, and people are turning their backs on him. He's not having the success that he feels like he should have. And he's kind of discouraged over it, and he said, Well, if this is the way it is, I just won't speak anymore in his name. I'm tired of being ridiculed. I'm tired of being put down. I'm paraphrasing some things. I'm using my imagination tonight in regard to this text. But I'll guarantee you that's the gist of it. Listen, and he said here, I said, I just won't speak in his name. I just won't make make mention of him anymore. I'm tired of being persecuted. But he said his word, but his word was like a fire in mine heart, was in mine heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. Will you hear it tonight? And I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. The truth of the matter was, Jeremiah might have made up his mind he wasn't going to speak anymore, but God had made up his mind that you're going to preach the word. And you know, he made it a fire in him and he just couldn't hold himself. He had to go. I remember when the Lord saved me, I was saved in Fairmont, West Virginia. I was staying with my aunt and I was sleeping in the basement room. They had the basement remodeled, had it modeled, had rooms put in, not remodeled. <laughs> but I was sleeping down there and of course in those days you just didn't burn lights very much because everybody was poor. And uh, there was no light on, and I was down there, and man, I tell you, for three or four weeks I'd been under such awful conviction for my sin. Just, I'm just really convicted. And I was laying there in the bed thinking about that text. I can tell you where it was. Tenth chapter of Romans. I read it, you know, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. And in my little old weak, frivolous way, I said, Lord, is that really the truth? Are you really going to save me if I can believe on you? Now, folks, I know there wasn't any light coming in the basin, but it looked like it was light to me. And I couldn't wait for morning. I couldn't wait to go tell somebody that Jesus had come into my heart and that I was changed. Oh, Joe Perry was running your union rescue mission there. And I ran across that big million dollar bridge. Run as hard as I could run and run over there and grabbed him and I said, the Lord saved me. And that old man started to rejoicing and praising God out on the street. I know that God can put the fire in your bones. I know God can put the fire in your heart. And I know that he can energize. This is not anything that's to be left in a droll fashion here. This is shouting ground that we're on. Because this is the truth of God's word.
Let me ask you a question. Do you know of any place, anywhere, that has a greater message than you have right here? No, you don't. You have the truth. You have God's Word. This is the greatest place on earth. This is the Lord's place. This is where He dined to come down and meet with us and to help us in our quest for life and for living for Him. Jeremiah, you may say, I'm not going to say your name anymore. I'm not going to preach anymore. But God said, yes, you will. I'll put my word in your heart. I'll burn it in your heart. And I'll put it in your bones until you can't stay. You can't hold yourself. You have to get out and tell it. And i got to tell you something. God helps us to get out and tell the truth. If ever there were people on this earth that needs to hear the truth, we're in that generation. We're in a generation of people who have turned away from God. Turned away from holy things. Nothing is holy anymore. I tore up something. <laughs> Good gracious. What did I do? <laughs> you said I might get excited here. <laughs> well, i tell you something. We live in a, this is a bad time in which we live. And so your heart, your heart, your heart, your heart, your heart, your heart, your heart needs to be set on fire for the cause of Christ. You know, we need to be on fire for God. I'm not a young man anymore. I used to be, but I'll tell you, I'm not young anymore. But my heart's on fire tonight. I have such a burning desire for Baptist work in America today I don't want us to be anemic I don't want us to be weak I want us to have a great message and tell that message with a lot of authority under the power of the Holy Spirit that's my desire you know this word became fire in his bones well you know we have the grandest message on earth we have the eternal gospel of Jesus Christ it's the gospel's glad tidings of good news. It's like a hilarious message to be told. It's like a soul lifting, uh, energizing, uh, a great thing in our hearts to tell others about Jesus Christ. I wanted to share a passage or two with you here in regard to this. Listen, in the, in the, in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 8, it speaks about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know the first and second Thessalonians speak about the coming of the Lord. The Lord is coming in flaming fire, taking vengeance. God even said in his word in one place, I'll make this people like stubble before you. And whenever you preach, they're going to be consumed because of your message. Because of the power of the word of God. The early church, when they met in the upper room and, and the Holy Spirit came down and the church was baptized in the Spirit of God. Jesus baptized His church in the Spirit. You know what? Flaming tongues like as a fire sat upon the head of each one of those men. Boy, wherever they went and whatever they spoke, it had tremendous effect upon people, didn't it? And in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bad things are in store for those who reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
It's not an enlightening or a wonderful thing to tell people. If you don't accept the gospel, if you don't believe God's message, bad things are in store for you. You're going to pay the price for it. Not only is that true, but we find in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 5, the blind receive their sight. Isn't that marvelous? You know the blind man sitting by the wayside, Jesus coming up the road, dramatize it a little bit for you here, coming up the road. And he hears, there's that throng of people, a whole bunch of people there. And I mean, they're listening to the Savior, and he's talking, and boy, they're listening, and, uh, and they're all energized. And he said, who is this? Who's coming up the road? And he said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Remember the story. Listen, he can touch blinded eyes. He can touch that man or woman, boy or girl that you know that can't see the Lord dying for them. He can do it. You can't, but he can. He has the power to touch our hearts. And the blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. What a Savior we have! What a wonderful work He does for us! I think that it ought to be enough to even make a Presbyterian shout a little bit once in a while because of what Jesus has done for us in coming to save us from our sins. Listen, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Not only that, but this gospel that we're preaching to you and the gospel that you know is everlasting. It didn't just begin here, it began before you were here and before I was here. It began in Jesus Christ. It's the glad tidings of good news to sinners. There is hope for you. There's salvation for you. I don't know about you all, but I deal with a lot of people. In my late years here, I'm dealing with a lot of people that have humongous problems. Uh, Brother Parks, I know some people's got problems that I don't believe anybody on this earth can solve. Only God can solve their problems. I know people who have such complex problems in their life that I wouldn't know how to advise them. But I know somebody that can. I know somebody that can help us with all of our needs. Folks, listen, you may have a problem tonight, but my Savior has the power to help you. Yes, He does. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, and the deaf hear. And the poor have the gospel preached unto them. Isn't it an amazing thing? you ever wonder why the Lord said the poor have the gospel preached to them? I, I believe we support an awful lot of missionaries for a little church like we are. We support a bunch of missionaries. And I'm thankful for all the missionaries we support. But you know what's more important than feeding the hungry? It's preaching the gospel. It's more important. I know that it's true. The gospel brings men to repentance. I heard a black man preaching the other day, and he said repentance is something that will work anywhere. 
at all times and under all circumstances. Had you ever thought of it like that? God accepts repentant hearts, doesn't he? It'll work anywhere. Black preacher told me one time, he said he was preaching in the East Room of the White House one time to the President of the United States. And he said, uh, he said something and the President said, Amen. And he said, I said to the President, Amen will work everywhere. It'll work here. And he said some news reporter got it and the next morning in the paper in Washington, D.C. had come out, amens ring out from the East Room of the White House <laughs> in Washington, D.C. <clears throat> well, we need somebody that can get up there and preach the gospel to the people in Washington. That's the richest mission field that I know anywhere on the face of this earth. Not only is that true, but this gospel is everlasting. As I said, it goes on forever and ever and ever. We're empowered. Gospel is empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit. I was thinking coming down here, I, I don't know these preachers that are here, but I suppose you preach your message somewhere else before you preach it here. And usually at the church up there, I'll work pretty near all week on a message for the church and on Sunday morning I always go out and walk I don't care what the weather is I always go out and walk on Sunday morning and preach my message outside I suppose the little birds here <laughs> I reckon but I do and I, and I was thinking about this coming down here you know uh, the gospel is empowered by the Holy Spirit you need Him in your heart and life. You need Him more than the very bread that you eat. We need the Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts. I stood by the bedside of a, a saint of God. I would call her a saint. She was a good woman. She went to church regularly and read her Bible and raised her kids and cried over her kids. And she'd bring her kids around her in the family altar. And she would get down on her knees and make them kneel all the way around her and cry and beg for her children. All of her children turned out good, incidentally. All of them did. But she'd cry and beg them. And, and I went to her bedside, called me on the phone and said, Go down to the hospital. Mrs. So-and-so is dying. And I went down, and I tell you, I got a shock when I walked in that room. Because that old lady, I mean, she was just thrashing all over that bed. And I said to myself, something's wrong here. Live a life like she lived, something's bad wrong here. Now I began to plead with the Lord. I just pled with the Lord in my mind. I didn't pray in open prayer, I just pled with the Lord. And finally, she began to settle down a little bit. And I said, I took her by the hand. I didn't know if she could hear me or not. And I said, I want to pray for you. I, folks, I started to praying for her. And I, I'm nothing. And I know I'm nothing, but I was praying for her. And I'll tell you what happened. A peace came over her. It was unequaled. Oh, that beautiful little smile came on her lips there. And she began to hum a hymn. She did. God is able, listen, the Holy Spirit has to work on our hearts. Boy, we ought not to grieve Him 
And we ought not to resist him. I know two people in the church in Jerusalem lied to him. And they both had a, went to an early grave, don't you? You know, we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to see that he's important to us, to help us. Uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ is a proclamation of the second coming of the Lord. I don't want to talk a whole lot about it. Hopefully later on this week we'll talk about the second coming of the Lord. But you know it's a proclamation of His coming. Uh, I can't live without the gospel. You can't live without it. We've got to have the gospel. It must be preached. And it must be believed. And we must treasure it up in our hearts. And we must share it with our neighbors and our friends. We must do like the lady did with her children. She told them about Jesus. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to tell somebody about Jesus. He made the way so plain that a wayfaring man, though a fool, cannot err therein. Think of that. The Bible says that the common people heard Jesus readily. They wanted to hear him. Oh, I'll tell you what, he's worth rejoicing over here tonight. And he's dear to our hearts, isn't he? He's precious to us tonight. And he's coming again one of these days. You've never heard his voice. I'll guarantee you've never heard him speak, but you will. And when you hear, guess what? Your ears are going to catch hold of those precious words. It'll be the most precious words you ever heard in your life. Come up hither. Listen. The gospel of Jesus Christ produces an ethereal purity in the lives of those who hear it and are consumed by it. Our God is a consuming fire, it says in the book of Hebrews. It has an ethereal cleansing power about it. How we got people in America today say, well, you can't mention the name of Christ and, and you, can't, you can't witness to people on the street. But you know what I say? I'm just stubborn enough to say, I'll show you. I will do it. I went to, I went to pray at the groundbreaking of a, of a school one time, a long time ago. And the principal of that school came up to me and he said, Now, preacher, we're, we're going to have some Jews here in this audience today, and we're going to also have some atheists here. And he said, We called on you to come and offer an invocation here over this work. And he said, I hope you will, but I hope you won't mention the name of Jesus for the Jews' sake. Well, I didn't say a word to him. I let him talk. And when I, when I finished my prayer, I said, all these things we ask in the precious name of our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. You know what? Two Jews come up and shook my hand. They sure did. You, you proclaim the gospel. Oh, it has purifying effect upon the lives of people. It has a comforting influence in our hearts. Do you know anybody that doesn't need comfort tonight? All of us need comfort, don't we? There's times in your life when you need a word of comfort. There's times in your life when somebody needs to smile at you. That's the truth. And needs to take you by the hand and say, Listen, I have you on my heart and my mind and I'm praying for you. 
me that utterance may be given, Paul said, may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. It's tested by its qualities. It's the most pure message that we have is the gospel of Jesus Christ. No wonder those disciples' hearts caught fire. He said, did not our hearts burn within us when he opened us the scriptures by the wayside? Of course. It has lasting qualities about it. It has uh, an essential um, aggressiveness to it. Somebody asked Marcus Rainsford one time, I have his book on the 17th chapter of John. I don't know if any of you have it or not. But I've read his book four or five times. They asked Marcus Rainsford, he was a sovereign grace man. He believed in the grace of God. And they, somebody said to him, well, since you believe in the grace of God, how long would you give a sinner to repent? And he said, just as long as it takes for me to tell him. Because he said, God said, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Well, isn't it true that this is the day? And so it should be aggressive. The gospel will ultimately prevail. All other messages and all other works that men do will perish. You know, I read in the Bible one place where it says the world shall be burned up and all the works that are therein. You, You know that's in the Bible. And all the things that men have done, you know, great things that we say they've done and they think they've done, all going to perish one day. But boy, the gospel's going to be shining right on. Why... When tribulation falls on this earth, there are angels even going to preach the gospel. And they can't hardly know the true message of the gospel, but folks, you can. You know that it brought you out of darkness into the marvelous light and liberty of the Son of God. I want to go to the last page of my notes here. I want to talk about this. I want you to see this. I believe that this is something that's needed today. In our services, I pray God all the time, don't let me, Lord, don't let me stumble around and don't let me just fiddle around with your word, but let me have it in my heart and in my mind. I've heard some of the greatest messages I ever heard, well-presented messages, but boy, if it's not down here, you don't have much, do you? You've got to have it here, down in your heart, calling upon the Lord. A call from fire to great service. Who was it? Well, here's a man that's tending sheep. He's away on the backside of the desert. He's out where there's no one. <clears throat> and he's having to lead those sheep around to find some place to eat. <clears throat> and he's walking by and he looks and there's a bush caught a fire. Flames are coming out of it. And you know, he's standing there looking at that bush, looking at it, and why he says that bush is burning, but it's not burning up. That bush is on fire, and flames are coming out of that bush, but it's just still standing there. The branches are not burning, and the leaves are not burning, and yet it's on fire. God had a message for Moses. 
God was calling him to go bring my people out of Egypt, he said. God has a message for you and I tonight, too. Our message is toward the lost of this world. Oh, how we need the gospel. Criminals need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Politicians certainly need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. The people who are caught up with the, the uh, habits of this day need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. T.T. Martin said one time when he went to New York, he'd, you know T.T. Martin uh, served along about the turn of the century. And he didn't have any way to move his revival tent. He never went and preached a revival anywhere that the church didn't ask him to go. And he was going to New York to preach a meeting, and he, went, and he loaded that tent on the train from somewhere down south and rode that train all the way to New York and set it down up there and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he said as they were going up, his daughter went with him, and his daughter wasn't a Christian. And Mr. Martin said, I tried my best to tell her about Jesus. I wondered how come that she could sit in all the services that she sat in and hear her daddy talk about Jesus. Now he said, I knew how much I loved the Lord, and I wondered about it, man. He said, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, how is it that she can't understand about Jesus? And he said, two vulgar, hateful, despicable men come in and sit down behind them and started to use all kind of profanity and vulgarity and said his daughter began to weep. And his daughter said to him, Father, what kind of language is this? And he said, I said, Daughter, if you go to hell, that's all you'll hear when you get there. You won't hear anything else but that in hell. I don't recall whether she turned to the Lord or not, but that was, that was a good answer, wasn't it? That's what hell is made up of. You and I are great ambassadors for Jesus Christ here tonight. A great service through fire. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them in the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. I want to tell you what God did for Israel and what God does for you and me. Don't get weary with me here. I'll be done in a little bit. Let me tell you what it is. Think of this. God provided shade for them in the daytime. A desert is a burning inferno in the daytime. And it freezes at night in the desert, so he provided the fire to keep them warm. God's presence never left the Israelites in the wilderness. And I hear him saying, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world or the end of the age. That's what Jesus says. He's with us all the time. You can't go anywhere. You can't do anything that Jesus is not there. He's there looking over us. My heart was hot, it says in Psalm 39 and 3, and this is King David speaking here. My heart was hot within me 
While I was musing, the fire burned. Then spake I with my tongue, Why, here's the king. You imagine how it is that the king could serve the Lord so readily? We elect a president and they think they're above everything in the world. We put a king on the throne, we say, well, he's a sovereign. He can order somebody's life to be taken in a moment. But here's King David. And he said, boy, your word became fire in me. I mean, I caught fire here. It burned in me. And I spake. Uh, by the way, I can tell you something else. If you get this fire in your heart, if you get this burden, and you begin to plead with the Lord, we're not asking anybody to do anything that's hard. Everything that I'm telling you is the most simple thing in the world. If you do that, guess what happens to your heart? You begin to get that joy in your own heart. Uh, one of my good men, one of my really good men in the church up there, has been in intensive care about all week. He has bad lungs, a bad heart, had all kinds of surgery. His front of his body looks like a road map. But I tell you what, when he feels like anything at all, he's either humming or singing all the time. I said, Brother Cochran, how come you're always whistling? He said, because my heart is happy, brother. I'm happy in the Lord. Hey, that's what happens to you. You get joy in your heart. It builds a person up, doesn't it? And helps a person. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us? We talked about it a little while ago. Then there's that that compelling fire. That's what Jeremiah had. It compelled him. He said, I'm not going to preach anymore. I'm tired of being persecuted. But God put it in his heart. I can tell you something else. It brings victory to your life. What would you say if I told you there's a place in the Bible where things were going bad for Israel and they started to praise the Lord and got a victory. Did you know that's in the Bible? I never looked it up, but it's in there. Never looked it up for tonight. Do you know what? You can get the victory through Jesus. I love that hymn, Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with His redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew Him. I've got to tell you, it'll bring victory to your life. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed and burnt the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. It wasn't, just wasn't enough that fire fell down to catch the sacrifice of fire and make it a burnt offering before the Lord. God said, Elijah, you called on me. I'm going to do more than you ask. And that's what the Bible says. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen.
Isn't that wonderful? Not only is that true, but fire is the best cleansing agent that I know. I was talking to a doctor not very long ago. He's talking about using lasers. You know, you have a gallbladder operation now. They'll drill two or three little holes in you there and take a laser and cut that gallbladder out of there and, and pull it out. And they don't even have to cut you open. And he said one of the greatest things about a laser is it carterizes the wound. You never bleed with a laser. Carterizes the wound. You, there's no loss of blood with a laser. This is what fire does for you. It has a cleansing power about it, doesn't it? I don't know whether you all like to watch westerns or not, but I, some westerns I love to watch. And I love to read Louis L'Amour. He has some great books on the, on the West. I know that every one I've ever read, when somebody gets shot, they'd take a knife and heat it and carterize the wound. Burns like everything, but it doesn't work. And listen, that's what the fire does for us. But who may abide in the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire. That's what Jesus is. He's like a refining fire and like a fuller's soap. He cleanses us. Somebody gave me a tape not very long ago of a quartet that has a song in it that says, I'm all dressed up and waiting for my Jesus. I'm all dressed up and ready to go. And that's the truth. He can take the fullest soap and make us clean. I'm looking back through here and I see you and all your sins are gone. You know what he did for you? He redeemed you and paid your sin debt and satisfied every demand that the law of God could ever make in your life. He did that for you because He loved you. I'm, I, you know, there's mysteries in the world, and the biggest mystery I have is how God could ever love something like me. But He did. And He saved me. Hey folks, it's a delight to be here. This is a good night. This is a good time for us to get this refreshing from the presence of the Lord. This is a good time to prepare our hearts to receive great things from the hand of the Lord. Great peace have they which love thy law, O God, and nothing shall offend them. Isn't that a wonderful text? Brother, I tell you, everybody's really attentive tonight. We're talking about the great things of the Lord and the fire of God. And we need it in our hearts and you know, we need to catch on fire for the Lord. We don't need to be warm. I read where the Lord took a sup of warm water and couldn't stomach us. He spit it out. Mr. Taylor used to tell me, not this Mr. Taylor here, but another Mr. Taylor. I had a deacon in the church, Mr. Taylor. <laughs> and he said... You can drink hot water and you can drink cold water, but you have a hard time drinking lukewarm water. And I say that's the truth. Listen, it may be that in speaking to you tonight, I don't know how the Lord's dealt with your heart, but it may be that you need to respond to the message some way. Let's get off on the right foot here for these few days we've got together here.
Let's call upon God. Let's make an agreement between us tonight that we're going to call upon Him a lot of times tonight and tomorrow. That He'll bless the service and He'll revive our hearts and that He'll help us in this land. If my people were to call by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then will I hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. And listen, that needs to be our prayer. Amen? You may want to respond to this message tonight. We need a song here, brother. You come and lead us in a hymn. If the Lord's speaking to your heart.